0: Thank you, Molly, and thank you, DC. Um, So, this is a a story about finding uh, happiness in failure. Um, um, Yeah, so, where to begin? Um, It's also a story about nature and well-being. That was gonna be the theme of um, this Norfolk Festival of Nature, of which this is now, I think, the only event. Um, after a weekend of cancellations and now probably what's going to turn into a month of cancellations. So I'm really, really pleased to be able to be here and actually talk about this theme that was going to be um, uh, our kind of um, flag under which we fly all our events. Um, I didn't expect to be talking about my own story around nature and well-being. Um, but, um, but here I am. And um, so the story begins in the quaint walled city of Canterbury about 20 years ago. Um, I grew up in Canterbury and um, I grew up wanting to be a poet for my sins um, and dropped out of school uh, at the age of 17 to become a poet. I was that confident of myself. (laughs) I was going to be a poet. So yeah. A couple of months later, living in a bedsit, working in a cafe and a nightclub and a pub, I had less and less time to write poetry um, and fell in with a pretty rough crowd, believe it or not, in the quaint, old, medieval city of Canterbury, and um, spent two or three years doing a lot of drugs, drinking a lot, a lot, a lot, and... um, it got worse and worse and worse. And um, as these things do, it ended up sort of rock bottom, making that decision. What are you going to do to change your life? And my response to that question was literally to run for the hills. I bought a rucksack, a sleeping bag, a bivy bag. Has anyone slept in a bivy bag? Yeah. It is not like a tent. No, bought a bivy bag um i bought a little gas stove single thing that you put a saucepan on it falls off you put a saucepan on again <laughs> it falls off yeah that's the one um and uh, off i went um day one uh it was august incredibly hot um and uh the food I'd packed on day one was was three tins of tuna in brine. (laughs) And um, so that was my lunch, two tins of tuna and I think some bread and probably a lot of chocolate as well. Um, I ate the tuna and the bread and then, as you can imagine, felt intensely thirsty. Um, (laughs) And so drank all of my water. Um, And this was long before the days of... Google Maps on a phone. So, um, then spent the rest of the day trying to find um, a cost-cutter shop where I could replenish my water. Um, Day two, it started to rain. I've never known an August rain quite as much as that August rained. It was a thunderstorm nearly every day. Um, The idea was to walk the North Down... Actually, the idea originally was to walk to Cornwall. Um, I was going to take the Pilgrim's Way, which in my bedsit overlooking Canterbury High Street, ran right under my window. So I was going to walk along the North Downs Way, and then I was just going to work out the rest as I went. I only had maps for the first four or five days as well. Um, so obviously Cornwall never happened, but the North Downs Way was going to be the plan, or the Pilgrim's Way, as it used to be called. Um, day two, it started to rain, and it just got wetter and wetter. Um, and um, you, in, in the evenings, I would try and uh, dry out my clothes um, around fire. I don't know if anyone's tried that. It doesn't work. Everything just ends up really wet and then really stinking of smoke. Um, so that every time subsequently I enter the newsagent to buy more water and those little dried pasta dishes, um, I stank of smoke as well. Um, day three, um, when you're sleeping in a bivvy bag in the rain, um, you can't sleep with your head out of the bivy bag because rain keeps you awake. So you have to zip the bivy bag over your face. If you've ever slept with something sitting on your face like that, it's really unpleasant, really uncomfortable. Um, and, yeah, then w- one of the following days, I was woken up by a dog sniffing around me, um, at which point I sat bolt upright, fumbling for the zip, heard a shriek and footsteps running away. And by the time I'd opened the zip, there was no one there. Because what they'd seen was essentially a body bag in the woods (laughs) sitting up um, and coming to life. So that was day four, was it? Day five, um, if you've ever walked the North Towns Way, it's along an incline like that. You're walking along at an angle like that, which puts enormous pressure on one side of your shoe. And by the end of day five, the sole had come off the bottom of my boot. It was just it was just held on by the toe. Um, so I thought never never to be someone who gives up too easily. I found a, a burnt caravan. and managed to find a, 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 an incinerated mattress and plucked one of the springs out of the mattress and managed to tuck it through the heel of the foot um, and then wind the wire around there. Well, that lasted about three hours. <laughs> um, and then... Um, I realised that this was probably a fated trip, that, that I wasn't prepared, that this was a this was really a failure. I hadn't just failed to get to Cornwall. I'd failed to walk the North Downs way. But I wasn't really walking to anywhere. This wasn't a walk about a destination. This was a walk away from a part of myself I didn't like. This was about walking away from um, the, the social circles I was in and the, the kind of... Um, reprehensible behavior that was um, occupying my life at that time. Um, And that night, I felt the various layers of failure upon me. And I was camped on the top of a slope with some National Trust meadow over to one side with rabbits running around in it, and the other side just farmland. And at the bottom was the M2 snaking away to where the sun was setting out there. Behind me were ash trees. The sound of the wind in the ash trees was astonishing. Um, and I've since been really interested in the very particular sound that different types of trees make when they have the wind in them. But I remember there, I didn't know they were called ash trees then. I called them long-fingered trees um, because I didn't know what an ash tree was then. Um, but that night when the sun was going down and the stars were coming out and the moon rose, that was an amazing night, watching that motorway snake up and down there. And although I felt these layers of failure, I also kind of reconciled myself to the the sense that there was something happening there. There was a beginning. There was an outside to the life that I was living and to the part of myself I didn't like. Um, And that outside felt like a kind of hook. It hooked me and I got a foothold into it as well. And that became a really important moment for me in the years to come. Now, it would be really easy for me to say that with this being about nature and well-being, that subsequently I went back and, you know, my life got all better. That was just the beginning of 10 years of alcoholism for me. And that's a really difficult thing to say. Um, But it was 10 years of moving from a kind of raucous social circle to something that became very solitary and was about me and another box of wine in my bedroom. Um, And um, one of the things that helped, I should say now, seven years sober, by the way. Um, But one of the things, one of the things that helped with that was those moments like that sat on the North Downs way, looking at this amazing landscape a landscape that wasn't all pastoral you know that was a motorway streaking by there behind me was like a shopping center um tucked into an old chalk quarry um and and behind that, an old anglo-saxon fort so i felt myself drawn and gravitating towards landscapes that were as kind of wrecked and ruined as i felt at that time as well and i've sp- subsequently um felt that way as well but it's those moments those little islands that became really important for me. And I should say that it wasn't 10 years of just pure descent. Um, I always took those moments where I ran for the hills and and looked for something that was outside myself and outside of that kind of um, uh, social experience. Um, and when, when you're on a kind of 12-step program, um, people will tell you you have to find a higher power. Um, and for me, I've never been... Um, at all Christian I've never been able to really th- do that for me it was the, it was the sun and, um, and I put all that weird narcissistic obsession with um, drink and my own pleasure into um, an obsession with the sun for, for many years um, and, and I would write I wrote a sun diary I wrote about the sun I wrote two pages about the sun every day for um, a, y- a whole year as as part of my recovery. Um, And that meant getting up really, really early and just sitting and looking at the sun and fixating on it and writing about the sun that day. It was completely obsessive and completely um, fascinating. And the sun is amazing. The sun is the closest thing to a literal manifest God that you can imagine. Um, It looks at you and it it doesn't look at you at all. It's just there. Um, And it just blankly remains there, pouring energy Um, into the solar system. It's 93 million miles away. I worked out at the time that if you you drove a Ford Astra 93 million miles, um, it would take you just over an entire human lifetime um, to make it to the sun if you made no stops at service stations along the way. (laughs) Um, And it was those kind of maths, this sense of this massive thing that always exceeds us. Um, and is completely oblivious to us. That became really important. And I remember one, another kind of island moment that was really significant to me was was, um, going out one morning into the edgelands around Exeter. Again, a slightly dilapidated uh, landscape that was kind of all um, old factories and chimneys and old mills. And there was a particular field one morning at dawn. And the sun was coming up um, down towards the sea. And... As it came up, there was a band of cloud just above the horizon. And it came up below that band of cloud and evaporated all the dew in the field. And then it hit the band of cloud. And because the temperature dropped, all of that evaporated dew then froze as sheet ice over the grass. Really, really thin, like a lacquer of ice over the grass. Um, And that phenomenon is something I've never seen before in my life. I've never heard about at all. This rolling lacquer of ice was all over this field, and you could just kind of put your foot through it. Um, and it was there. It was gone in about five minutes. Um, but it was just another one of those those moments that, um, because of the delicacy of that cloud layer and the 93 million miles that the sun was away, something that reminds you that the cosmos is just so much bigger than us, which kind of made me think of your G.K. Chester- Chesterton quote and that sense of being shrunk down to... Um, something really minuscule. And, um, and it's those moments, those little islands in my life that have uh, made sense for me uh, and helped me. And that's the end of my story, I think. Joss Smith! Thank you so much.